Hi, and a warm welcome to the Homepreneur Show. My name's Amanda Brown, business consultant and founder of the Homepreneur community. I'm here to help you overcome the challenges of running a home-based business. Whether you're just thinking of leaving the nine to five or you're a seasoned homepreneur, my aim is to provide you with guidance on productivity, focus, and motivation so you can maintain the perfect work-life balance. This year, I celebrate 20 years of working from my home office through both the ups and downs. You can discover the show notes, free courses and downloads at www.homepreneur.co. So let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of The Homepreneur Show. And today, I have the pleasure of welcoming Ruth Ferenga, who is a mindfulness trainer from Mindful Pathway. So hi, Ruth. How are you today? I'm good. Yeah, despite the sort of sideways winds and rain, I'm doing good. Well, maybe you would like to introduce yourself to the Homepreneur listeners today. Tell us all about your business and how you help people. So I run Mindful Pathway. And essentially, this is about getting people to learn skills in mindfulness to help them reduce stress, be more effective, be more kind to themselves. Um, So in this kind of fairly fast-paced world in which we live, we really need to be training our mind alongside our bodies. And I think people are quite sort of familiar with training the body. You know, we should do exercise or this type of thing is quite well known. But the sort of concept of training the mind is maybe not as well evolved. So... We help people through public courses and also courses in the workplace and one-to-one sessions in how they can train their mind so they can work with thoughts and feelings differently so they're not quite so dominant in their lives. You know, all of us have these negative thoughts or this type of thing in our lives or stressful situations and, and stress is inevitable. You know, it will have tough times in our lives, but it's more about the way we deal with it, the way we work with our problems. So we want to equip people to to really be be able to handle what life throws at you so you can kind of handle it more skillfully really well that's really important isn't it particularly in this overloaded world of particularly that we're bombarded with so many messages every day from different media it's really difficult to ask the mind to switch off yeah 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 media friends family Maybe lots of pressures could be a parent and looking after elderly relatives and maybe a tough job. And, you know, the, the sort of sometimes there's so much in people's lives. And, and then it's maybe no surprise when things get really tough because we've just been we're under so much noise and, and pressure from different angles. So, I mean, my parents come from an era where, you know, they would say, oh, well, pull your socks up and just battle through and get on with it. You know, they're born just before the war and lived as children through the Second World War and very much, you know, put up with what you've been dealt. And we now see it, I guess, as being, well, you don't have to put up with things. There is a solution to to a problem can you sort of 
elaborate a little bit more about the impact of not addressing the issues of this overwhelm that we all feel, not all the time, but from time to time. Yeah, and you're right that the kind of, you know, to a large extent, not always, but, you know, some of the older generations are this kind of, can be this kind of stiff upper lip thing, particularly particularly in British society. And you still see it some ways where, you know, everyone presents a nice glossy version of their life, <laughs> both online and offline, and maybe not just publicly, but to themselves. So denying their own kind of struggles to themselves and not always, but, but what can happen when we don't at least try and look at, you know, delve a little bit into what's going on in our kind of psyche. It's almost like that, a ball in like a swimming pool, you know, you try and like push it down and it just like pops up somewhere else. So we might be avoiding, you know, the anxiety we're feeling or whatever, just by distracting ourselves or running away from it or whatever else we're doing, plowing our head further and further into work. But inevitably the cracks start showing somewhere else. You know, we might end up with, I don't know, migraines or back pain or, you know, the mind body are very interrelated. So, so it could be, you know, psychological stuff or, or physical stuff. So really the body will start screaming at you if you're not looking after your mind and body. Um, so can we take a proactive approach before we get really burnt out or before these things start happening? That's kind of really the approach that can be helpful both for us as individuals, but, you know, if someone's got a company and employees that, that they're thinking about this, that mental well-being is just part of what everyone really should be looking out for. Yeah, I heard some really terrible stories about, it was a friend of mine who was working as an IT contractor in a company in London. And they, I think the company was struggling. And so they knew if they were asked to go into a particular meeting room, or, you know, if an employee was invited into a, this meeting room, that actually would never see that employee ever again. And I mean, this was absolutely, I was staggered that in this day and age, that this still happens. Uh, they were basically uh, flouting the, the rules and um, asking people to leave without any, you know, it was a constructive dismissal type of situation. So anyway, be that as it may, that's not really the point of, of what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is that companies are under a duty of care to look after their staff and not employ these sort of Victorian rules that uh, are clearly, I mean, they're draconian and in the main illegal. I was, I was absolutely scant at this, this particular story I was hearing. So in the workplace, what do you feel is the, the best way of demonstrating the benefits of understanding and learning mindfulness yeah I mean there's lots of different approaches to it I mean firstly I think you're right that the companies do have a duty of care and and inevitably someone brings their whole person to work whether it be personal professional stuff they'll bring it to work if they're going for a divorce if they're having mental health issues all of that it all comes to work it all goes back home the culture of the company so how much there is a a culture of trust one in which people feel psychologically safe this is becoming quite a commonly used term google did have done a lot of research into psychological safety so how much people feel like if they talk about a failing at work that they won't like get in trouble because 
you know, we all fail at stuff. And, you know, if you had the best intentions, it went wrong and you're trying to make up for it, then that shouldn't be a bad thing. So partly I think it is culture and it is the extent to which employees are given uh, uh, entrusted, the extent to which they're given autonomy um, and purposefulness and how much their work, they can see how their work links to the wider purpose of the company. So this kind of wider organisational vision that they can identify with is really important. And then I guess more specifically on things like um, mindfulness training, there's all sorts of approaches. You know, some people do like taster sessions. Other people are more interested in doing ongoing training where we actually train their, their employees in creating a meditation practice. So this is both cognitive training and learning a meditation practice, learning how to meditate. And I think a lot of people think mindfulness is like just a bit of breathing or something. And <laughs> you know, and it's actually, it's, it's not at all. You know, you, yes, we do involve a focal point like the breath sometimes, but, but really this is about watching our mind and developing a, a more distance from thoughts and feelings, which we can do in meditation and also reflecting on our reactivity. So how we respond to things. So it's, it's quite difficult to explain it, to be honest. So it, you know, that's quite funny on a podcast, but, but really you have to experience it. You know, you, you have to try it for yourself and then see if it affects your life, because this isn't about meditating to be a better meditator. It's meditating and learning skills in mindfulness to move through life more fluidly, more easily with more comfort and less distress. You know, that's the real, um, I guess, sign that this is actually taking effect on people. And I think as the evidence, you know, when studies are being done as to, you know, it's hard to do a controlled study of mindfulness. I mean, it's not a, not an easy thing to have one group who's done the training and another group who hasn't because there's so many other factors to take into account. I wouldn't like to do an, you know, an analysis of, of the, the difference. But as studies are done as to this, this care, these caring organizations, you know, corporate caring is going to be you know, so important. It costs so much to employ somebody. You have to look after your staff. You have to develop great teams. It's not an option to, to act otherwise. You know, we see this in the way in which, and I'm very interested in remote working and actually dealing with uh, teams of remote workers Not uh, requires even more understanding of how your employees are motivated to work mm. yeah yeah and what they're motivated by and how we can be connected somewhat while we're remote because you know being working at home can be lonely or it can actually be rather connected and there are lots of ways of of people interacting or or just running their life that they're not just in front of their desk getting lonely and and down about that Absolutely. That was the top answer as to the negative things that uh, people feel when they work from home was the isolation. So that is a, a big one. And, you know, being able to know that you can pick the phone up and talk to somebody who understands you. Because, you know, I, I worked in corporate. I'm not sure that um, anybody took any notice of anything other than my output at all. But, but, you know, that was back in the 
eighties. So these these topics were not uppermost in in people's minds in that uh, working environment. The economy was growing very fast, and you know it was a totally different economic environment. Nowadays, where it's difficult to find people to fulfil certain roles, we have to take care of the people that we've we, you know we've we've already we're already employing. When it comes to coaching, I'll call it, or training individuals, do you train one-to-one with people or in groups who are not in employment together? Yeah, so do you training for the public or, or also one-to-one? It depends on what someone wants. So the best way to train in mindfulness is in a group because you're not just watching your own path, you're watching other people, so you get to learn from that interactive thing, like we're all part of you know various groups but some people who want to reduce stress um, and maybe they don't want counseling because they want a more kind of goal orientated vision of the future they might feel stuck at work or they might be quite burnt out and not really got any systems in place to help them with that kind of those kind of well-being foundations then then coaching is something that that I do to help people work through that now that may or may not involve mindfulness, but it can certainly help people if they either they don't want to do it in a group or they want that kind of attention or maybe some of what they they want to share is quite personal and maybe they don't want to see a counsellor particularly, they want to see a coach that will help them move forward with that, then that can be really helpful for people um, to sort of have that focus time. I mean, I certainly found when I did coaching for myself and what really, you know, coaching and mindfulness have been the two things that really changed my life really. It, don't think that's an exaggeration and and to feel like someone else has faith in you and interest in your dreams and your hopes and can help you structure your life to make them happen is hugely empowering you know it's and I think when people are feeling sort of maybe in a bit of a dark place or a little bit just confused then then that really can help you sort of put your head up and be like oh okay maybe I can start to build this vision of the future and taking the steps to make it happen so so yeah, I think both group and one-to-one are, are you know, are useful mediums depending on really what people want to get out of it. Yeah, I mean, some people do like do like the, the, the group way of of learning. I have coaching calls with a group where I'm I'm being coached, and I learn so much from listening to other people's questions and hearing the you know the the expert answer those questions and it's really that is really interesting and and really quite empowering because you think oh I'm not alone I'm not the only person feeling like this or I'm not the only person who doesn't understand this and somehow that makes it easier to answer your own question yeah yeah, because a lot of the, the sort of struggles we go through, you know, everyone else is going through as well or in different versions of them. And that, you know, that ability to connect, knowing that we all suffer, we all have these issues in different forms, is hugely relieving, I think, for people to be like, oh, okay, I'm not alone. I'm not, you know, this is actually, you know, normal in inverted commas. And I can kind of, yeah, that, just that shared understanding. Because, you know, us Brits can be a little bit, close sometimes and I think and so to sort of release the barriers a little bit and everyone just to be a bit more open um I think people find that yeah I find that really helpful you know at their own pace you know with mindfulness training you, you don't actually have to share anything but it's helpful to and but it's always an invitation so you can kind of share at your own 
pace of what you want to share? You know, they say a problem shared is a problem halved. And there's a lot of truth in that, that old wives tale, I have to say. Um, and also you can, you can think rubbish, but one rarely says, speaks rubbish. Yeah. Or sometimes when you find yourself saying it to someone, you're like, actually, <laughs> that, that is rubbish. <laughs> and or, I'm yeah. telling myself or, in my head. Yeah. But very often as you are trying to formulate the words to express the, the muddle that's going on in your head, often it comes out with much more clarity than that, that, that muddle. And so that, why I find sharing really, really beneficial. Yeah, and particularly with the right people, you know, I always find it's kind of interesting actually because people say, oh, like it's okay to say and we should be talking about mental health and all these types of things, but you also want to be doing it with people who help you move forward, don't make you feel worse or, you know, you know, like your coaching group, I imagine there's quite a sort of proactive thing, maybe a very supportive environment. and And that's, so even when we're thinking about our friends whether we talk to them about our business goals or our or our any kind of um, mental health issues it, it's almost using the right kind of people I think to, who know who will support us yeah it's just kind of the kind of skillful choices there really I, I think actually choosing those accountability partners or mentors it's actually really important to reflect on that because I feel that if you always go to, say, a family member or a close friend, they're very likely to feed you back what they think you want to hear. Mm. And very often that can be unhelpful. Yeah. Because or they just feed you like what they think you they think you can yeah. get to in, in a kind of more limited form, whereas potentially you could do much more than that. So it is they don't want to upset you. They mm. will want to, they will, you know, because they love you, they will probably not challenge you the way in which a skillful coach might do. So I think it's always important to, as you so rightly say, choose the people that you, you share your concerns with very wisely. Mm. Definitely. So what exciting things are coming up in your working life at the moment? Have you got courses coming up and where can we find you? So mindful leadership has become quite an interesting topic. And I did a talk recently for London Tech Ladies with like a breakfast event. Yeah, so I've got a workshop for a local business festival on that. Um, that's in June. I've got another talk on that on the 4th of April. Oh, my birthday. Oh, is it? Mm. I think you. I'm also an April baby as well, so it's all the best people born in April, obviously. But, um, Definitely. We're actually coming to the end of the eight-week course at the moment. This is the clinically research-based approach for mindfulness training. So it's like an eight-week program, and we run those in spring and autumn. So the next one is actually in autumn, so October to November. But I'm actually even thinking, it'd be interested to see if people are interested in this, of running it online so that would then open it up to more people as well. So that's, that may happen. I also do a free Facebook Live every month. It's called Start the Month Mindfully. And it's usually at 1pm on the first Monday of each month. So I don't know if there's a way of putting that link on this webinar. But that's, you know... Yeah, we'll put the, I'll put the uh, link in the, in the show notes that accompany this. It will go up as a blog post on the Homepreneur 
website and I will put links to your website and to uh, your Facebook page on that um, set of show notes. Uh, so Ruth, tell us finally how, um, how people can find you online. Yeah, so you can find me at mindfulpathway.co.uk on social media, so Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, it's Mindful Pathway. I normally post quite a lot of different content, try and get a bit of a conversation going around mindfulness because, you know, mindfulness is a practice. It's not like a quick fix. So it's great if we can share, maybe some people also have their own experience they want to share um, about what's working for them. So that's always welcome too, as well as, yeah, you can see my latest blog posts and yeah, Facebook lives, which involve like meditation and a theme. So yeah, I just encourage anyone to, to get involved really. Well, thank you so much for coming on the Homepreneur Show. And I look forward to speaking to you all uh, next time. And thanks so much, Ruth, for sharing your story. Yeah, you're welcome. No, it's, um, it's great. I love what you're doing with Homepreneur. I think, you know, working at home isn't, isn't necessarily easy. So the more support we can get from people like you to, to make this, you know, a more enjoyable journey as as entrepreneurs is, is fabulous really. So yeah, thanks for having me.